0: Thank you, Brenda, for singing that. And if she don't know, but she's going to sing that song again here in a little bit. And uh, that'll be at the end of our service today. And so, before we leave, we're going to leave on that thought. But Matthew chapter 19, this morning, in verse 16. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16, when Jesus points it out. When Jesus points it out, you ever tried to? You ever tried to get somebody to see something? And. They, for whatever reason, they couldn't see what you could see, and you sit there and you say, "Don't do you see it?" And they're looking and they're looking and they're looking, and they just say, no, "I don't see it." And, and say so you're pointing and you're pointing and you're pointing, and, and and they get right there, you know, they get right there where your where your finger is, and they're looking, and you say, "You see it right there," and they don't see it, and you look and you think to yourself, "How do you not see that?" And you think to yourself, can't can't you see this right there? It is right there. Can you not see it? And they're looking, and and they're and they're and they're looking at your finger, and they're looking where you're pointing, and they're they're doing everything they can to try to find out what it is that you're pointing at. For whatever reason, they just can't see what it is that you're pointing at. Well, we're going to look this morning on uh, what happens when Jesus points it out. You know, there are some things that Jesus is trying to point out to us today. I think all throughout the, throughout the scriptures and all throughout. Uh, The life in which we're living, this moment right now, I think there's a lot of things that God's trying to point out. I think there's a lot of things that Jesus is trying to get us to see, but for whatever reason, because maybe we don't want to look because we don't want to see, or because we're so blinded by so many other things that's in our life that we just can't see what it is that the Lord is trying to get us to see this morning, what I want to do as I want to do what I can through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, is, to, uh, is for us to see what Jesus is trying to point out this morning. And so as we look at it here today, let's begin there in verse 16, and let's see what is it that Jesus is pointing out. There in verse 16, the Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, talking about the Lord Jesus, and he said, Good Master, what good thing shall I do? that I may inherit, or that I may have eternal life. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou would enter into life, keep the commandments. Now what I want us to do there in verse 16 is I want us to see the very first truth is, is his dilemma. What was it that this guy was searching for? His dilemma was, was he come to the Lord Jesus, he knocked on the door of life itself. He was speaking to life. He was knocking on the door of life. Much as they say about Judas Iscariot, he kissed he kissed the door of heaven and went straight to hell. And and we see this guy, he is in essence talking to eternal life. Jesus is life. The Bible says that he that has the Son of God has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. And so He is actually talking to eternal life, the Lord Jesus, the Author and Finisher of life, the Originator of life, the Creator of life, and all of the above. And so the Bible says that He says that He came to the Lord Jesus, and He says, "Good Master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life?" And so He was in this dilemma. And this dilemma that he had was he wanted to know the answer to the great question of how do I get to heaven, how can I have eternal life, how can I know that I know that I know without a shadow of a doubt, what is it that I need to do to grab a hold of this eternal life that the Scriptures speak of. So he was in a dilemma. You know, I think there's a lot of people that's in a dilemma this morning. You ever been in a dilemma before? I think there's a lot of people that's in a dilemma this morning about many different things. Some folks are in a dilemma about what they're going to do tomorrow. They're, wondering, they're in a dilemma about how things are going to work out uh, next week. They're in a dilemma about uh, trying to figure out how their bills are going to get paid. They're in a dilemma about trying to figure out uh, what, they're going to, uh, what, what the outcome of a number of different situations in their life is going to be. Uh, some folks are in a dilemma this morning because they still haven't grabbed a hold of the fact of who Jesus is and that He is life and that there is, no way, uh, that there is no way into heaven except for the Lord Jesus. And they're looking for something that they need to do. They're looking for something that they need to do when Jesus has plainly made it clear that there is nothing that a man needs to do except for the fact to accept what He's already done on the cross. And that's all they need to do. There's nothing tangible. There's nothing physical. There's nothing that uh, there's nothing that you uh, have to do per se on your own through your own strength and your own might and your own wisdom in order to get to heaven. But that Jesus has already paid the way. But there's many people this very moment. That are in a dilemma right now and wondering how is it that I get to heaven? Who can be saved and how can I be saved? And, and who do I need to talk to about salvation? And, and is salvation possible for me? And, and And what good thing do I need to do to make sure that I get it? He was in a dilemma this morning. I think there's a lot of people that are in that dilemma today. And he said there in verse 16, he says, Behold, One came unto him and said, Good Master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? I mean, how many people this morning are trying to do everything they can to do good deeds to get to heaven? You know that there's a lot of people that are going to die and go to hell that serve in church. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of people that die and go to hell this morning, uh, or, or tomorrow, or the next day, and the next day after that, simply based on the fact that they think that well, maybe if I serve enough, maybe if I teach enough, maybe if I sing enough, maybe if I maybe if I give enough, maybe if I'm present enough, maybe if I do all of these things that I can weigh out the balances between the good and the evil that I do in my life, and I'll just end up in heaven and everything will be okay, and that God will look at the good I've done, He'll look at the bad that I've done. And my good will outweigh the bad And God will just be satisfied with that There's a lot of people that are going to die and go to hell Without understanding That There's a lot of people that will die and go to hell this morning With that kind of theology in their minds And that's the kind of theology that he had He was wondering what good things should I do I mean uh, I've done all these different things Notice what the Lord said So we see his dilemma A lot of people in a dilemma this morning You know the devil's trying to do everything he can To keep people in that dilemma And the devil's offering up all kinds of different things out here in this world to distract the hearts and minds of people so that they will continue to stay in this state of questioning, how do I get to heaven? He's going to do everything he can to to keep people confused and do everything he can to keep people in this state of mind so that they're ever really able to come to the knowledge of the truth which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that the God of this age, the little God, which is the devil himself. The Bible says he's blinding the hearts and minds of the people. Why? Because he, does, he wants to blind them to the light of the glorious gospel that can shine in their life, that can point them to the way of salvation. And the Bible shows us right here that there in verse 16 he's in a dilemma. He's not exactly sure what he needs to do. You know, it's interesting that he has enough, it seems like that he has enough religion To point him in the right direction, but he still doesn't know what to do. You know, there's a lot of people that have religion this morning. There's a lot of people that have religion. There's a lot of people that say, There's a lot of people that say, Yes, I I teach Sunday school, or I sing in a choir, or or, or I even pastor a church, or I do all these. There's a lot of people that have religion. There's a lot of people that carry out religious activities. There's a lot of people that, that give. There's a lot of people that do all these different things, and they're dying going to hell this morning because they don't know who Jesus is all they have in their life is a bunch of religious activity that they think is going to get them to heaven and it's not going to happen the baptism pool is full this morning for someone to get baptized later on from another church it's going to come down here later and they're going to baptize someone but when that person gets baptized in that baptism pool that's not going to save them nor does it have anything to do with their salvation Their salvation is not dependent on that water that's in that pool. If that was the case, why did Jesus die? What's the point in dying on the cross if you can just dunk in water and be saved? There's a lot of people that'll depend on that baptism right there for their salvation. There's a lot of people that'll depend on getting sprinkled when I was a little baby for salvation. Well, have you ever been saved? Well, I got sprinkled when I was a baby. I'm sorry that you didn't get saved, all you did was get wet. The Bible shows us right here, he says, verse 16, What good things shall I do? What good things shall I do? He didn't say, What bad things shall I do to get to heaven? What good things shall I do? Surely there's something that's good that I can do, that I can get to heaven. Notice what the Lord Jesus says. He's in a dilemma. The Lord Jesus sees that he's in a dilemma. So what does the Lord Jesus do? He points to his problem. He points to his problem. Notice what he says in verses 17 and 19. The Bible says, and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. You know, the Bible says that every man will profess his own goodness. You know, the Bible says that every person will say, Well, I'm a good person. How many would say this morning, Well, I think I'm a good person. Most people would say that. Most people here this morning, sitting here today, would say, I believe that I'm a good person. And the Bible even says that every man will profess his own goodness. Every man will say, well, I believe I'm good. I believe I'm okay. I don't believe I have anything to worry about. I mean, I do this, and I do this, and I do that. I mean, well, what else is there to me? What else is there left for me to do? And and the Lord Jesus, what what does he do? He points to the problem, and he says, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that is God so what is he trying to show him there? He's trying to show him that, listen, hey, well, what are you calling me? Why are you calling me good? There's nobody good but God. So if you're calling me good, does that mean that you're acknowledging that I'm the Savior? Does that mean that you're acknowledging that you're talking to the bread of life, the author and creator of life? Or are you just asking me as a man? What are you doing? The Lord Jesus is trying to, is trying to get an answer out of him and point him to the problem. And he's trying to get him to see something. Notice what he does. The Bible says there in verse 17, he says, there's none good but God, none good but one, that is God. But if thou will enter into life, then keep the commandments. You say, wow, the Lord Jesus said right there, if you want to inherit eternal life, you want to go to heaven, just keep the commandments. You say, well, hey, that sounds pretty simple. All I have to do is just keep the commandments and I can go to heaven. Well, I bet that put a smile on his face. He thought, "Well, yeah. wow, I'm in pretty good shape then what commandments do I got to keep? Notice he listed Six Commandments, the bottom part, the last part of the the Ten Commandments, the the Six Commandments, the last Six Commandments, they have to deal with man's relationship to each other. The first four commandments have to deal with man's relationship to God. The last Six of the Ten Commandments have to deal with man's relationship to each other. And so Jesus listed Six Commandments, and all Six Commandments were man's relationship to each other. He said, "Well, why didn't he mention the one? Why didn't he mention the first four about God? Because he's going to point that out here in a minute. But what he wanted to do was he wanted he wanted this rich young ruler to see what his problem was, and his problem was was he was so concerned about external religious activity." He was so concerned about putting on, he was so concerned about making sure that he did good on the outside. He was so concerned about doing good deeds. He was so concerned about making sure that he was a religious person that he was completely ignoring the fact that there needed to be a change on the inside of him. And listen, until there is a change on the inside, how can anything ever really happen on the outside? I mean, until, until you change on the inside as a, as a person, I mean as they say, the, as the, the story goes, you know, you can take a you can take a, a guy, a homeless guy out on the street and you can feed him and clothe him and, and you can give him a bath and give him a, try to give him a job, you can do all these things that are that seem like good things to do. But if there's no change on the inside, if he has no desire uh, to clean himself up, if he has no desire to work, if he has no desire to be a better person, if he has no desire to do any of it, you know what's gonna happen to him in two weeks. You're going to see him right back where he was. Why? Because there was no change on the inside no change on the inside. There must be a change on the inside and it doesn't matter if we're talking about the homeless guy out on the street, if we're talking about the person sitting right here in the pew, there's so many people that are saying I want my life to change, I want my life to be different, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want that. Well listen, you can want all you want, but if you're not willing to change you on the inside and you're just expecting things to just miraculously happen, you're just expecting for the the bears to get better, you're just expecting for this to get better and this to get better without putting any thought about anything any kind of change about yourself into it any kind of work any kind of effort and you're just looking for it to happen just miraculously just boom more than likely it's not going to happen there's got to be a change i'm not talking about artificial superficial change I'm talking about, I'm talking about a spiritual change. I'm talking about something that is true, something that is real. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a change that comes from God himself when the Lord Jesus comes and lives and dwells with inside of you and he makes you a new creature in Christ. I'm talking about a change that, 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 that can change you like nothing or nobody else can. A real change. Not something superficial, not something temporary, not something artificial, but something that is true and genuine, and only the Lord Jesus can do that. And you can want all you want, but until you are ready to change yourself and stop counting on everybody else to change, or looking for everybody else to change, but you're willing to change. What does the Bible say let every man examine himself? The Bible says that every man examine himself, but sometimes we get so hung up uh, on other people's faults and other people's shortcomings that we can't even see our own. And listen, we got to be a people that says, you know what, I'm going to examine myself. What is it that I need to do? How many of you admit you're you're, uh, under construction this morning? I believe it's safe to admit none of us have arrived. I believe it's safe to admit that all of us here this morning would say, Yes, I have not got to that place or that point in my life where I am totally, utterly satisfied with my spiritual life. None of us are at that point this morning. We're striving to get there. We're working to get there, but we haven't got there yet. But all of us acknowledge this morning that we're a work in progress. And this young man was a work in progress too. And Jesus was trying to point out the problem that he had in his life. And the problem that he had was, was he was so concerned about changing what was on the outside that he wasn't concerned about changing what was on the inside because the outside was temporary. The Lord Jesus isn't wasn't interested in working on the temporary. He was interested in working on the eternal, his soul, the very spirit of himself. And until he could see on the inside that he needed to change, that he needed to be different, nothing was going to change. And so the Lord Jesus, he pointed out, he told him, he said there in verse 17. He says, um, uh, He says there in verse 17, he says, If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he thought, Well, see, there it is. See, there it is. I don't the, the way that I get to heaven is that I just keep the commandments. Now, some people would take that verse right there by itself and say, see, you can get to heaven just by keeping the Ten Commandments. You don't need Jesus. You just keep the Ten Commandments. Hey, but we understand you got to take every verse in context. You don't just take one by itself and play with it and do with it how you want to do with it. And that's how we get a lot of crazy mess we got out here today. You can't just take one verse of the Bible and just make it say whatever you want it to say. you got to put it all together. What did God say about the whole thing? And so the Lord Jesus pointed it out to him and he said, You want to enter into life? Keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. So what was Jesus doing? He was showing him what he thought he was doing, but he couldn't do it. He was showing him that there is no way possible for you to do it. Now let's get a rundown of what this guy said that he was was faithfully doing every single day that he was faithfully doing every single day. I mean, in every single one of these six commandments that that Jesus listed, this guy literally admitted to himself and to the Lord that he was perfectly fine and that he kept them every day and that he had had satisfied the commands that the Lord had given. So let's take a look at it. What did he do? Thou shalt not murder. Well, preacher, I ain't never killed nobody. How many of us killed somebody? I just want to make sure i got a mental note of this. Got guy my own. Well, I ain't never murdered nobody. I ain't never killed nobody. Now, you see, the last six commandments that he's talking about is between us and man. It's man, fellowship with man. Not between us, our relationship between us and God. It's between man to man. And so he says, you shall not murder. Thou shalt not murder. That's killing the innocent. Hey, abortion falls right in that, too. That's not my subject this morning. But thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Preacher, I ain't never killed nobody. But you know, the Bible also goes on to say, just like it does adultery, that, man, if you hate somebody in your heart, you hate them in your heart to the point that you want them to die. That you're guilty. Notice he says, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, well, Lord, I ain't never committed adultery. But what did Lord Jesus say? He said, a man that looks upon a woman and lusts after her, in, her heart, in his heart has committed adultery already in his heart. So you mean to tell me that this guy walking around living his life every day, this rich young ruler, he walking around living his life every day, he never looked upon a woman with adultery and lust in his heart? He did pretty good. He did pretty good. Oh, Lord, you ain't got to worry about me. I ain't never done anything like that. I've never killed nobody. I've never hated anybody. I've never committed adultery in my heart. I've never committed adultery physically. Lord, you don't got to worry about I've never done any of those things. This guy's off to a good start. What else? Thou shalt not steal. Okay? Thou shalt not steal. Never stole nothing. Not even as a kid. Never stole bubble gum. Never stole a Reese's Pieces even when you were small. Because if you could steal a Reese's Pieces when you were small, I probably did. it. I'm just kidding. But you never stole anything whatsoever. It doesn't matter what it is. You never stole nothing. No, I never stole nothing. I'm not a thief. Well, hey, praise the Lord. It's good. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. In other words, you are never going to spread a rumor about somebody or say something about somebody that's not true. Whatever you say has to be seasoned with salt, factual truth. Administered by grace and mercy. And something said that the Lord Jesus in heaven would put his hand of blessing on it. And everything that you've said in your life has been that way. You've never bared fault witness against somebody, you've never said something about somebody that wasn't true. You never slandered anybody, you never gossiped, you've never done any of that kind of stuff. Oh no Lord Jesus, I ain't ever done any of that. You did pretty good. Cuz I guarantee you, that probably 100% of everybody that lived that is living today is guilty so far of every single one of these to some degree. What else do we got? Hey, guy looks like he's doing pretty good so far. Honor thy father and thy mother. So you have given your mother and your father all the due diligence that they're supposed to have in their life. You have been honorable. You have been respectful. You have been to them exactly what you need to be to them. The way God has outlined, not in your eyes, but how God has outlined. Not by the belief system that you think. How you need to honor your mother and father, but as God says you need to honor your mother and your father. You've done that. Oh yeah, Jesus, you ain't got anywhere about here. I've done that. That's good. I say he's well on his way to heaven. The Bible says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that kind of sums up really a lot of what the Lord Jesus has been talking about. Even the great the new commandment that he gave Him was just to love your neighbor as yourself. Do we love everybody as we love ourselves? Oh, yeah, I love everybody, Lord. I'm just as good to them as I'd be to me. Hey, you're doing pretty good. You are well on your way. So what was Jesus doing? The guy was in a dilemma. Jesus knew what his fault was. And so he began to point to his fault. This guy thought that he, this guy thought that he had everything worked out. He thought that, oh yes, I have lived the life. I'm not guilty of this, I'm not guilty of this, I'm not guilty of that. I mean, he is talking to the one that made the commandments. He's talking to the one that wrote them out. And said, You have nothing to worry about here. I'm all good. So as Jesus continues to see this man in his dilemma. As he's trying to point it out, he's trying to get him to see, you see this, are you guilty of this, are you guilty of that? And the more the Jesus is trying to point and point and point and point, and the guy's looking and he's saying, no, I'm good there, no, I'm good there, no, I'm good there. The fact is, is he just wasn't seeing what God was trying to get him to see. He wasn't seeing what the Lord Jesus was trying to get him to see. was the fact that he was so concerned about the outside religious part of his life, that he wasn't doing anything about the inside person. And the Lord Jesus is more concerned about your eternal soul than he is the external activities that you do. Listen, you can come up here and sit up here at this altar and you can say all kinds of prayers and you can say all these kinds of things, but if you're lost, your prayers are not going no further than I can hear you. But there is one prayer that Jesus will hear. I pray to be saved. Jesus will hear that one. But you can come up here and pour yourself out upon the altar. You can lay prostrate across the floor here and kick your feet and do all these things and pray and call out to the Lord. But if you don't know Him personally, all it was, was an external religious activity. You can get up here and preach whether you... Teacher or Sunday school teacher, whether you're a pastor or evangelist, it doesn't make any difference. And you can scream and shout and snarl and walk the pews and spit and, and do all kinds of stuff. And, and, you can, and you can make a real religious activity out of the whole thing. But if you don't know Jesus, that's all it was. And that's why Jesus says there'll be many in that day that'll say, Lord, Lord, and now I've done this in thy name, and I've done this in thy name, and I've done this in thy name. And Jesus will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Why? Because our external activities is nowhere near to be weighed in to our uh, internal heart. God's concerned about what's going on inside here. And if we don't fix what's going on inside here, there's nothing going to change outside here. Whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your country. It doesn't make any difference. If we don't change what's going on inside of here, then nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. I want to see revival. I want to see God work. I want to see people get saved. Are you willing to change what's on the inside? Because if you're not, it's probably not going to happen. Are you going to seek what's the recipe for revival? Seeking the face of God, repenting of your sins, desiring the presence of God in your life, and on and on and on and on and on on we go. How many of God's people are prepared for that? How many of God's people want that? Because if we don't, it's not going to happen. We can sit here and gripe and complain and grumble about how things are going in our life. We can gripe and complain and grumble about how things are going on in the church. We can gripe and grumble and complain about how things are going on in the community. We can gripe and grumble and complain about how things are going on in the country. But if a, but if, the man, uh, if the man or the woman is not willing to do business with God and seek the face of God and do work with God on the inside instead of being so concerned and worried about what everybody else is going to see, then nothing is going to happen. And this world will continue to go in the pot until God's people get serious about doing business with God and seeking the face of God. That's when it will happen. I was reading in Jeremiah this morning, Jeremiah chapter 11, where uh, the nation was going and uh, the nation of Israel and Judah were, had gotten away from God and, and God sent Jeremiah as prophet, the weeping prophet. God sent Jeremiah down there and he says, I want you to go and I want you to talk to the people and I want you to tell them exactly what I want you to tell them. And so Jeremiah goes down there and God says, this is what I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them that they're living like the world and that they're cursed because they're out there living like the devil. They've erected all these false gods and the worship and all these evil things and I want you to tell them that I I have a different life for them and and I had different plans for them but they continue to go in their own direction and I have sent men their way and people their way to try to bring them back to me but they will not listen and they will not hear. He says so I'm going to bring judgment upon the nation and I'm going to bring things to them that they cannot escape. I'm going to bring judgment upon Judah. I'm going to bring judgment upon Israel because they will not listen. They will not heed my voice. They will not stop worshiping the world. They will not get their self in touch with me any longer. And so I'm going to bring judgment upon them and they will not be able to escape. And not only that, but you're going to pray and your prayers ain't going to work. Because I ain't going to listen And God was giving them what they deserved Wow Giving them what they deserved for what? Because for years and years and years and years and years They defied God Considered themselves as their own gods And worshipped the world And had no desire to really get in touch with God And God says okay If that's how you want it I'll let you have it. You know, God has a way sometimes of giving us what we want. You ever had kids that sometimes say, oh, I want this, I want this, I want that. You know they don't need it. You know it's not good for them. But then there comes this time where you say, okay, I'll let them have it. That'll teach them a lesson. How many of you ever learned a lesson like that? No. That's exactly right and God was trying to speak to this man and show him he was more concerned about what was going on on the outside than he was on the inside and that was his problem. And we live our life in this world so concerned about what is going on out here in this world the world is the world and all that it contains all this riches and this wealth and its fame and popularity and and all that I can do out right here to build my kingdom that is far more important than the work of God. Getting in touch with, getting in touch with everything else and everybody else instead of getting in touch with God. Well, eventually there comes this point to where I think God says, if that's the way you want it, then I'll let you have it. And you can pray all you want to get out of it. And I'm going to do this right here. Jeremiah chapter 11. God, the Lord Jesus said, Honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So not only do we see in verse 16 this man's dilemma, but we also see in verses 17 to 20, because notice what he says. He says, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet. Not only do we see his dilemma in verse 16, but what we also see in verses 17 to 20 his delusion. You ever met somebody, you think, I think they're delusional. I think they're delusional. I think I've met a few people in my life. I thought, I think they're a little delusional. I think there's some. Never mind. All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He was so blinded, so blinded by his own goodness, so blinded by his own efforts, so blinded by his own external accomplishments. He thought, you know what, all this is good enough for me to get to heaven. Surely I'm, surely I'm okay. There's a lot of people that are dying and going to hell today because they think, well, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm okay. But they never really did work with God on the inside. They didn't know God personally. The Bible says, shows us there in verse 20, we see His delusion. He says, I've done all these things from my youth up. What lack I yet? You know what? I bet Jesus was thinking, I sure am glad you asked that. I sure am glad you asked that question because I'm trying to point this out to you. I've done pointed to you the last six of the Ten Commandments that there is no way possible that anybody can even keep them. But you said that you have. And so the Lord Jesus seeing the dilemma that this guy is in and how blinded he has become because the devil doesn't want man to see the true way to heaven which is in Christ. The devil wants everybody to think, well, all i got to do is some external work to be saved. So when he asks the question, I've done all these things from my youth up, what lack I yet? What did Jesus go to do? He pointed to the perfect solution. You still have this concern. You, you, you still want to know, I got the perfect solution for your problem. What does he say? Jesus said to him, if that will be perfect. If you want to do this thing right, if you want to make sure that you're on your way to heaven, and this is what you do. He says, Go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And watch this now. And come and follow me. Follow me. He was asking this young man to die to himself, to die to his own self-ambition, to die to, to die to the world to die to the things that he thought was right, to die to the understanding that he had been taught and brought up with. The Lord Jesus was trying to chisel away at all the indoctrination that the world and the devil had filled his mind and his heart with. And the Lord was trying to point him to the fact that, listen, this is what you got to do. You gotta get rid of this stuff in your life. Hey, is rich as a is riches sinful? No, it's not. Is having a big house sinful? No, it's not. Is having a lot of money sinful? No, it's not. Is having a nice car sinful? No, it's not. Is having nice clothes sinful? No, it's not. But when we're more concerned about having all the things that we can have in this world than we are about getting in touch with God, spending time with God, and the service and work of God, then it has become an idol in our life. And that is spiritual adultery to the Lord. And it has become a God that we have erected to ourselves. And the Lord Jesus was trying to point it out to him. And he says, he says, you sell all that thou hast. See, this guy was so consumed with his self that Jesus knew that the best way for this guy to get out is he's gotta he's gotta cut the cord. You know, sometimes you gotta take drastic measures to get away from things. Did you know that? You know the Lord Jesus taught, he said, if you if your foot offends thee, cut it off. If your eye offends thee, pluck it out. Now I'm not saying go home and pluck your eyeballs out. What was the Lord Jesus trying to teach? He was just simply saying that, listen, there are some things in life that, are so, that, that, that we gravitate towards that that, are, that become such besetting sins to us that what we have to do is, in order to, to uh, get victory over it, sometimes you've got to take drastic measures to yourself personally. Sometimes there are some things that, that just grab a hold of us so much so, and it can be a whole number of different things. Sometimes there are some things that just grab a hold of you so much so that there are some things that you've got to change about your life, and even if it means that you've got to take drastic measures to get away from it, then that's what you need to do. And that's what the Lord was trying to illustrate. And that's what Jesus was trying to show him here. He says, listen, your problem is is that you care so much more about the world. You care so much more about the the external religious activities that you do that you have completely missed the mark. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take a drastic measure. And this drastic measure for you, my friend, is that you need to sell everything you got and follow me. But you think about that. And the Lord Jesus was offering him so much more. I mean, for some reason we think that we can just follow this world and grab everything out of this world and that it's just, and that we actually have something. If we could, if the Lord Jesus pried open the windows of heaven and we could actually see into heaven from right here for a minute, we'd say, you know what? What in the world? This world ain't got nothing on heaven. I mean, you know, you think about God's, uh, uh, God's got a city with streets of gold, gates of pearl, I don't think the Lord's worried about going bankrupt. I don't think the Lord's worried about not being able to provide. I don't think the Lord's worried about any of that stuff. But we get so caught up in our life over the external that we forget what's most important is what's going on inside of you. Listen, there's a lot of people out here today that are paying all kinds of money for peace and comfort on the inside. And they think they're going to get it from some pill. They think they're going to get it from drinking. They think they're going to get it from drugs. They think they're going to get it from satisfying their flesh sometime or another by doing whatever. And they think that that's really going to give them what they need. And then when it's all over at the end of the day, it hasn't given them anything. Nothing eternal, nothing of any value. The Bible says the pleasures of sin last for how long? A season. A season. You know how long that is? Not very long. I mean, we we think of a season like autumn or winter. Don't last long. And then it's gone. The Lord Jesus is offering you something this morning, something that's internal and eternal. Something that's internal and eternal, a joy that He can place in your life a happiness that, that, that is something that He gives It just isn't based on the happenings all around you, but, but, but a genuine joy on the inside, a genuine peace, a genuine comfort. And Jesus says, not as the comfort and the peace that the world gives, but the, but, uh, but the comfort that I give. And Jesus is trying to get us to see this morning that we're trying to place our, trying to get peace and gain comfort and, and all of these things out of, uh, out of things that are superficial out here in this world. And he says, you're striving, you're working, you're putting so much labor and effort into things that are temporary. Imagine what would happen if you'd done that to things that are eternal. Imagine how much that would change you on the inside. All of us. I'm talking from the from the pulpit to the pew, every single one of us. If every single one of us got on our face before an Almighty God and we sought his face and said, God, I want you to use me for your honor and glory, no matter what it is. I just want you to use me. Imagine what would happen to the whole world. Imagine what happened to your your personal life, your, your home life. Lord Jesus is trying to change it for him. He says, You need to sell everything you got and give it to the poor. He says, Then you have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. What's the Lord Jesus trying to do? He's trying to get him to see. Now, I'm not saying go home and sell everything you got. Now, don't you go home today and say, That preacher down there at Gospel Light said, I need to go home, and sell everything I got, and I need to poke my balls out. Now, don't you go home, get on Facebook, said, The preacher down there at Gospel Light said, That's what I need to do trying to get you to see is Jesus is saying look to heaven there's treasure in heaven it's far more valuable it's far more worth than anything in this world that you can ever even conceive and imagine because it hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him it hasn't even entered into your mind hasn't ever even entered into your heart the things that God has and God says, listen, if you could just see what I have up here. You would be so heavenly hearted and so heavenly minded. He says, you have treasure in heaven. He says, come and follow me. Follow me. And in that man, what a great invitation. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. And come with me. Follow me. Man, this guy right here. He was going to have an invitation. Hey. Hey to be a great follower of the Lord. Who knows what opportunity this guy passed by. What opportunities have we passed by? What opportunities are we passing by right now? All because we're so self-consumed in our own selves. So consumed in the world, so consumed about all these external, external things. And the Bible says, there in verse 21, He says, follow me, that follow me there sums up, really, the first four commandments. commandments—that All that has to deal with God. And then verse 22 he says, But when the young man heard that saying, Watch this now. We're going to close with this. When the young man heard that saying, He went away sorrowful, For he had great possessions. His possessions possessed him, Instead of him possessing his possessions. There's things out here that are possessing us today. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of things that have possessed God's people, the lost. And the Lord's trying to get them all to see. He's trying to point. Listen, this is the problem. This is the solution. And the young man the Bible says when he heard what the Lord Jesus said that he went away sorrowful. You know, the Lord didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. You know, sometimes that happens. You hear something you don't want to hear. You ever heard something you didn't want to hear before? Yeah, He heard something that he didn't want to hear. The answer that the Lord Jesus gave him was not satisfying to him because he had his own agenda. He had his own plans. He had his own agenda. He, had, he, had, he wanted to get to heaven his own way, not the way that the Lord had it lined out. He had his own agenda. And when his agenda and God's agenda didn't line up, he walked away from God. And how many people are going to walk out the church doors this morning? Not gospelite, not just gospelite, but church doors all across America this morning. How many people are going to walk right out those church doors today and walk away from God? Because their agenda does not fit God's agenda and so since God's not going to give me what I want and I can't do it my way, then I just don't need to do business with God. The Bible says he walked away. How many people are going to walk away from God? How many people are going to walk away from God this morning the last time? Listen, there's been a lot of people that's walked away from God for years and God's still knocking on the door of their heart. There's some people that are going to walk out the door this morning. They're going to walk away from God after the, after the Lord Jesus is trying to point and try to point and try to point and try to point. This very morning, He's trying to point and try to point and they're going to walk away from God this morning and they're going to die. And, that'll be the, and, this, and this will be the last time, the last opportunity that they had to get saved. And they're going to walk away from God and they're going to die lost and go to a devil's hell. Because their agenda was more important than the plan that God had for them. And the devil had clogged up their minds so much so that they couldn't see the greater things that God had for them eternally because they were willing to settle for less down here on this earth. There's a lot of people this morning that are settling for less. Settling for less. The Bible says, Then said Jesus and the disciples, after the guy walked away, the Bible says he walked away sorrowful. Listen, anytime you walk away from the Lord, that's how you're going to leave. You're going to walk away sorrowful. You're going to leave sorrowful. You walk away from God, then there is no hope for you. The Bible says that our hope is in the Lord. And that a man that is without God is without hope in this world. And if you walk away from God, there is no hope. And if there is no hope, there's nothing left but sorrow and misery. Am I not right about that? I mean, how can, there be, how can there be joy and how can there be happiness if there is no hope? And if you walk away from God this morning, the Bible says that a man that is without God is without hope. And if you don't have any hope, you don't have no joy, you don't have anything. But the devil seems like he succeeded in blinding the mind of this guy to think he really had something. Because the Bible said he had great possessions. Now he thought he had great possessions. He didn't have nothing. He thought what he had was something, but it was really nothing. He thought what he had on this world was something great. But as I said a little while ago, there's a lot of people today that what's great to them, first and foremost, being right with God, but what comes out of that is having peace in your heart in your life. Nobody can put a price on that. There's a lot of people that are waking up today, a lot of people that are going to go to bed tonight, and they're going to saturate their pillows with tears and sorrow because they have no peace in their life. But yet they have all these things in their life. They have all this stuff, but yet they have no peace on the inside. No peace at all. And many of them be willing to trade everything they got just to have it, and they don't have to trade everything they got to have it. All they have to, tra- all they have to just, just, come to the Lord. Just come to the Lord. The Bible shows us right here, verse twenty three. Jesus said unto the disciples, "Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of God." He didn't say he's not saying that the rich people can't go to heaven. So don't get that all crazy. He's just trying to say that when we get so concerned about the external and we're not, as, and we're not concerned about the internal, then it becomes a problem. And the Bible says, And again, I say unto you, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Because see, they just had this idea that if you just had a lot of money, then you had God's blessings upon your life, you were automatically going to heaven. So when they heard Jesus say this, they begin to think to themselves, well, how in the world can anybody get to heaven? I mean, look at them. Look how religious they are. Look at the things that they have. I mean, how can they not get to heaven? Because they're all concerned, whether it's religious activity or whether it's everything that we're trying to grab out of this world. It's all just external nothingness. It's nothing. So who then can be saved? You want to know who can be saved? You want to know this morning who can be saved? You can be saved. I can be saved. The guy that's laying out there drunk in the alleyway can be saved. The addict that is sitting at home right now, smoking dope, shooting up with drugs, they can be saved. The preacher that's sitting in the pulpit that's been preaching for 40 years and never had a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus, he can be saved. Same thing for the Sunday school teacher. All the people that's done all the religious activities, they have a chance to be saved. From the uttermost to the guttermost, as they say. Oh, I don't know. I've done too much, preacher, if you only knew. Yeah, I don't want to know, but I can tell you this, God knows, and because God knows, God said this, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, that my hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. It doesn't matter how far down you've gone. doesn't matter how far out you are. doesn't matter how black it is out there. It doesn't matter how far away you've gotten. I can reach you if you'll just put your hand up. And When you put your hand up, you'll see that my hand's already there. I've already got my hand down in the blackness. I've already got my hand, my hand down in the depths of sin ready to pull you out. You just put your hand up, you'll see I'm already there waiting. And that's what I want you to see this morning. The devil wants everybody to think there's no hope, there's no point in lifting up your hand because it's all over, and it's not. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you so much today for your grace. Lord, you are far better to us than we deserve. Lord, I pray this morning you'd help all of our eyes to be open, help us all to see. Lord, you're not interested in men doing lip service to you. What you want is folks to be genuine and real, just to do business with you. And God, you said in your word that you're no respecter of persons. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're from. Don't matter who your mom and daddy was. Don't matter your position in society. Anyone that has a desire to be saved can be saved and used mightily by God. I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd help us to dig through the fog that the devil has put in front of us. Because I believe this morning you're trying to point to get us to see. And I'm praying, Lord, this morning that if there's one here today that can't see, that you'd help them to see this morning but not saved, that today would be the day that they get saved. As the piano plays, if you're here this morning and you need to do business with God, I encourage you to do so. I can't save you, but I can point you to the one that can. Lord Jesus died on the cross on Calvary to save every soul that's willing to be saved. If you're here today and you've never done business with God and you never ask the Lord Jesus to save you and forgive you. Then I encourage you this morning. Do business with the Lord. Call upon the Lord while He is near. Because today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not next week. But today. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You don't know if you're on your way to heaven or not. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? Anybody anywhere? Preacher, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Is that anybody here this morning? Preacher, I've never done business with God. I don't know how to get saved. Just slip your hand up so I can see you. Anybody anywhere? If I get everyone to stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed here for just a minute and we'll get ready to dismiss. The altar is open. You want to come to the altar and pray? Whatever it is the Lord laid on your heart, I encourage you to come. Just speak to God, whatever it is. One of the things that our nation definitely needs to make sure it gets back to is doing business with God, and that's what this altar is for. It's not just a step for me to get up here to the pulpit. It's a place where God's people come and pour their broken spirits out to the Lord if there's anything that this nation needs, it's God's people on their hands and knees bringing themselves to the Lord, prostrate before His feet, humbly asking that God would do some great things in their life, that God would move in their personal life, that God would move in their families, that God would move in their churches, that God would move in their community, that God would move in their country. Because we need it. How much further down the line do we have to go before we decide to do something about it? How much more pain? How much more sleepless nights? How many more days of lack of peace and comfort in our souls will we go before we decide to do something about with the Lord's help where we're at in our life? One, two, five, a year? A year? And you ask yourself, is it worth it? Is my sin worth the pain? Is my sin worth the misery? Is my sin worth the lack of peace and comfort? Is my sin worth the hindrance that it brings between me and God? If you say no, man, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. Because He will. One more verse. One more verse. You may look up, Brandon's going to sing this last song. I realize it's 1218, but Brandon's going to. Sing.